innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. Once again, you are listening to the Cage Side Concussion Cast. My name is Jeff Shaw. It is Sunday morning, a beautiful rainy Sunday that reminds me of my home in the Northwest. And there is a lot to cover today. We're going to have a rare type of show for you today, which is almost entirely news-based. Just because there was so much going on this weekend, the weekend of October 1st, we're finally into fall officially. There was the Nogi Pan Americans for Jiu-Jitsu. There was the IKF East Coast Classic for Kickboxing. The New Breed Grappling Championship for for Nogi Grappling, easy for me to say. And a couple of MMA fight nights. One, Conflict MMA 41, which saw several local fighters, including our friend Isaiah Monroe. And one, Mitchell Productions Fight Night 2 in Florence, South Carolina, where Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu took a team of fighters. We're going to recap all of those events for you. And we're going to have Aaron Besson, who won his fight in Florence, South Carolina, call in in a bit. We're going to we're going to tell you what happened with the results and then we're going to get into an interview with Aaron a little bit later in the show. Um, we're also going to preview all the upcoming stuff because the uh, the the martial arts scene is not getting any less packed here in North Carolina and so we got a lot to come up uh, we got a lot coming up that I know you're not going to want to miss. So we're going to be almost all news and upcoming events today with a few special surprises. I hope you'll stick with us for that. Um, before we get into the meat of the show, i got to tell you how to get a hold of us. Um, you can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. That's cagesidewhup at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at cagesidewhup. Our Facebook page where we post almost all the extras related to the show, all the pictures, all the video, all the recipes from the cooking I've been doing lately, which some of you have seen online, will be on our Facebook page at Cageside Radio. More about that in a little bit. Um, you may notice that Trevor is not with me. Trevor Hayes is coaching or was coaching at the IKF East Coast Classic um, where his friends uh, from uh, Eight Points Muay Thai brought home five IKF titles. And that's where we're going to start. So uh, those folks went down there. Apparently some really exciting fights. Uh, one of the, the fights of the, the fights of the, uh, the fight of the tournament, from what I understand from Trevor, was Gustavo Navarrete and Caleb Hunter, who fought in the finals, eventually uh, closing out that division to bring home uh, one of the five IKF titles for, uh, for Eight Points Muay Thai. So congratulations to all of those guys. Congratulations to everybody who fought on that card. I want to talk pretty extensively about the Nogi Pans. Now, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with jiu-jitsu and the competition scene, uh, the the Gi Pan Americans, uh, which, you know, it's the big, the, the Pans are the biggest tournament. It's, you know, depending on who you talk to, you, you could get many different answers about the, what the most prestigious tournament is. The Mundials probably be the, the top answer, ADCC. Um, but in terms of registration, in terms of everybody that shows up, the pans are the, the ones that have the most registration, and the gi pans take place on the West Coast. So a lot of us here on the East Coast uh, travel to New York City for the no gi pans. A lot, of, a lot of local folks go to that. We usually go to that. Uh, you know, We usually take a pretty big squad of folks up there. It's just closer, and a lot of folks prefer doing no gi. So there were a lot of local competitors uh, that went up there and had great showings that I want to talk about. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time there. 
Um, unfortunately, our friend John Bagels Telford uh, lost his match by armbar. Um, it was. It, it, I, I had a good time watching that match. It was. Uh, you know, John uh, had a really deep Darce choke on the guy for about two minutes, and I really thought the guy was going to tap. I also thought John should have gotten points for a, for a guard pass, but but that's another. That's another thing entirely. It was one of those things where if, if you get the choke, you're probably going to gonna win. And if you're not, and you have a really tough and talented opponent, which John did, you're, it's probably not going to be your day. Uh, so, But I know John will be back in the gym uh, today, and uh, and so congrats to him for, for showing up and doing that. We'll also hear a sound clip from, from John Bagels Telford later in the show by way of, uh, by way of preview. So the Corbet brothers, as always, uh, did an outstanding job. Um, DeAndre Corbet won a, a bronze medal. I got to see his first match where he ex- exhibited a lot of great positional control, ended up winning that match four points to nil. He lost to the eventual winner, who is uh, a competitor that he had beaten before, and they had a really good back-and-forth match. But uh, So congratulations to DeAndre winning a, a bronze medal at the brown belt level at the Nogi Games. Um, so Gavin Corbet, uh, those of you that have competed against Gavin or just watched him understand that he's a smaller guy, you know, he's still a teenager and is still growing and I think competes at Rooster. And so he didn't have anybody in Rooster or in Light Feather or in Feather to compete against at his, at his level. And so he went up not one, not two, but three weight classes. Um, and so, and he ended up losing his match by advantage uh, to a dude three weight classes bigger than him. For those of you that have competed in jiu-jitsu, I want to communicate two core messages for you. First of all, that's really what jiu-jitsu is all about, is the ability to compete at any weight level. That's why we have absolute divisions. That's why we encourage folks to develop that spirit where it's like, okay, if, if I get the choice of getting an empty gold medal with no competition at all, or, you know, I can have a match, even if the guy is like 50 pounds heavier than me, let's take that match. And that's the spirit that we want to cultivate in jiu-jitsu athletes. And I know that both the Corbett brothers have that spirit, and Gav really, really represented that. And so, the, and you know, as Hicks and Gracie said, you know, if, if, if you don't feel comfortable in a no-time limit match, or if you don't feel comfortable competing in the absolute division, there's something probably a little bit wrong with your jiu-jitsu. And so I just want to say, you know, and a lot of times you know, j- there's also a culture in jiu-jitsu that I think is a positive culture of not making excuses um, for defeats, which I think is a really positive thing. But but the sort of byproduct of that is folks don't tell you when they're sick. Folks don't tell you when they're injured. Folks don't tell you when the guy that they went up against, uh, you know, was 50 pounds heavier than them. Um, although there are other guys that will absolutely tell you all of those things. But but that's beside the point. But but so so I feel like, you know, as sort of the media of the area, it's incumbent on me to point out when somebody that's an extremely talented competitor has the wherewithal to say, you know, there's nobody in my division or the division up or the division up. I'm going to compete anyway. And I think that's kind of awesome. So excellent work. So a couple of other local competitors that I wanted to shout out are, are both from Team Hubao Karaoke. And uh, Robbie Adams, uh, who I trained with a few a few weeks ago, like six weeks ago maybe, at Shell Shock BJJ, John Shell School, he went and uh, at the blue belt level got double silver. We took a silver in his weight class and took a silver in the absolute. I was able to watch Robbie's uh, first match in his weight class, which uh, I think it's still, if you're Facebook friends with John Shell, you can probably still see that. John live streamed it. Also, if you don't su- su- subscribe to Flow Grappling, you should probably subscribe to Flow Grappling if you're at all interested in what I'm talking about because they archive most of these matches and you can see all of them live. And so that's how I was, I was able to watch Robbie's first match. Very exciting, action packed, close match um, for the gold medal. He ended up losing out on points. 
Um, but you know, just a re- an excellent performance. He had the guy in a triangle choke at the end, and John was shouting at him to, you know, telling him how to, you know, coaching him through trying to finish that triangle. Um, and so it was one of those matches that really could have gone either way. And then he went on to the absolute division and took a silver medal there, there, uh, there as well. So Robbie's a, a dude that's been around a long time. A really good performance from him. So congratulations to him and congrats to Team Hubao Karaoke. Um, so speaking of John Shell from Team Hubao Karaoke, and I'm, I'm sure if you've been to any local grappling events, you've seen John compete. He's one of the most, you know, and we would love to get him in the studio sometime too. I've talked to him about that. You know, really active competitor, um, will always go. And so John was competing at the brown belt level at the Nogi Pans and saw his first match, which was, so, you know, John ended up meddling. He got, he got a silver medal. Um, and you should picture me making the air quotes when, when I'm doing, when I'm saying silver medal, because all will be revealed. So John's first match, he, you know, John is a really aggressive straight ahead fighter who is always going after the submission. First match, he ends up catching the guy in a knee bar and, and makes the guy tap. And so wins by submission, very much a John shell match where he's, you know, constantly aggressive, pushing forward and he looked great. And so, so John goes to the finals and now, y'all, I, I don't like to talk about referees' decisions because, you know, we're told as competitors you have to be so much better that fair doesn't matter, and that's true. And we have to, and we're always told if you let it go to ref's decision well, maybe you should have scored some more points, and that's also true, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. That being said, John lost a referee's decision in the finals that was the worst referee's decision I have ever seen in my entire life. And so, uh, and, uh, and I'll, I'll talk you through that. And again, like I'm not the type of person like they, I I referee myself, and so I know how hard it is. Refs have a really tough job, and it's a thankless job because when when the ref does a great job, the ref is invisible, and nobody remembers anything about the ref. When the ref does a terrible job, everybody remembers, right? But so, but but I feel like it's important uh, to to say this simply because like a bunch of guys were watching on the live stream with me, you know, at different locations, and we all sort of had the same reaction where. So the, the match ends up being tied two points to two points and one advantage to one advantage. And, and frankly, I thought that was kind of specious as well. The guy got two takedown points on John when John, I think, in my, in my opinion, popped up fast enough that it should have just been an advantage for the guy. But whatever, that, that's one of those things where you could make a case either way. So, okay, so okay, maybe the match is tied points. But anyone who watches that match knows John was the aggressor for the entire match. The overwhelming majority of the match, like probably 80, 90 percent of the match, John was on top trying to pass. John attempted like any submission. The the only submissions attempted in the entire match were ones that John attempted. And it it was just like I don't think the other guy other than the one takedown that might might or might not have been a takedown. I don't think the other guy got any offensive moves on, on John whatsoever. And so just by any criteria that you that you judge a grappling match. I really, I was very disappointed, and I know that you know, and and it it kind of made me it kind of made me sick for John because like everybody expected him to win that match, and the guy raises the other hand, and you know John's a classy dude who's not gonna not gonna come out and and tell you that he's disappointed and upset, which is why I'm telling you that he has a right to be disappointed and upset. So as far as I'm concerned, so John, congratulations for your silver medal, but like I really I think and I think everybody else that that watched that match agrees that that was a gold medal performance by John Shell. So congratulations to him. And congratulations to everybody else who competed at the Pants. As always, if I missed anybody that uh, should have been shouted out, let me know. You can get at us at cagesidewhip at gmail.com. Or when we post the show, you can always comment in the Facebook thread uh, to let folks know. Um, So one noteworthy event that I don't want to spend a ton of time on 
But uh, but I do want to say is notable because it involves two former concussion cast guests who are also two of the toughest guys grappling and MMA in the local area. At the New Breed Grappling Championship, uh, Joe Selecki and Gibson Saw faced each other. And Joe hadn't, Joe's been focused on MMA and Gibson has too actually, but like both of those guys are just absolute monsters, just incredible technique, incredible athleticism. And Joe Selecki ended up winning that match. And I think that's really significant in that Joe is is one of the more focused and intense competitors in, you know, in local martial arts period, but, you know, in, in you know, grappling MMA specifically. And I think that's a b- really big win for him because, you know, Gibson is is I mean, I I can count on one hand the number of times I've ever seen Gibson even get a tough match. Um, and and so I think. So, so that's just something to watch for. I know Joe is going to get back in the cage later this winter, and so just wanted both of those guys have been on the show, and so I just wanted to say congratulations to Joe. And it's always fun to watch two of the best local guys go at each other. So, a couple of MMA events happened uh, yesterday as well. Um, Conflict MMA had their forty-first card, um, and we were planning, and you know, this, and we knew this was going to be a tough match. So one of one of my favorite local guys, uh, and one of the guys who has you know, just among the best attitudes in in martial arts is Isaiah Monroe. And Isaiah trains out of Team Hoist Gracie Southern Pines. He's also training at Fight IQ with James Quigg. Trains under Seth Stevenson. Um, you know he does his jujitsu with Roy Marsh. So like really tremendous stable of coaches and training partners. And Isaiah's really you know this is his his goal to you know to make fighting a career. And so this was an amateur MMA fight. He hadn't been in the cage in a while, had some bad luck, I think, with opponents dropping out. But he uh, ended up taking a match against a guy, Ivan Lupachansky, who was just a stallion. And he took that fight on five weeks' notice. Uh, Seth Stevenson, Coach Seth, set him up with that, basically, to challenge Isaiah. Like, Isaiah's um, got outstanding grappling, got good striking, like, really uh, an excellent overall game. But you can kind of tell the folks that are most focused on improving themselves early in their career and the folks that are that are more intent on padding their records and Isaiah and his team are definitely in the former camp like they're definitely we're going to take the tough fights you know and and so to give you some background on Isaiah's opponent Ivan Lubachansky he was an overwhelmingly successful college wrestler he wrestled at Purdue all four years ended up finishing his career with 122 wins in collegiate wrestling big time collegiate wrestling those of you that are fans of MMA and wrestling for MMA know that that's also where, where you know the program that produced John Fitch among many other successful wrestlers and fighters um, Ivan ended his senior year with a 34 and 4 record which is pretty pretty tough to do when facing the competition he was facing and so and up to this point Ivan's Ivan had never had a, a fight go out of the first round and so, you know, in order to, to sort of, you know, I saw a post Coach Sess made about this, you know, he really wanted to challenge Isaiah in that, like, you know, Isaiah's a dude with a ton of skills and a broad array of those skills, and so he's comfortable anywhere the fight goes. But, you know, we knew this was going to be a big challenge. So Isaiah, like, the fight looked mostly, like, Isaiah ends up taking the fight into the third round and ended up losing to an arm lock submission. But I want to describe a little bit about why the, about the way the fight went. I ended up watching that on the live stream um, because, I mean, Isaiah should be really proud of himself about his performance, I think. I know he's probably disappointed this morning, but, like, he should be really proud of himself about this performance because Ivan, you know, predictably, you know, Ivan was able to execute takedowns. I mean, you don't wrestle at that level without being able to execute takedowns. But Isaiah's defense was, was, was exceptional, and he, I don't think... You know, it, it, you know, I was watching the fight with some friends, 
And the main story for me in the first two rounds were was Ivan was controlling the octagon, which is also a really small cage, and it's really tough when you have a really tough wrestler in a small cage to get away from him. But like Isaiah wasn't taking any damage really. He was using his defense really well. He was his escapes were such that you know when you have to make a decision between controlling somebody and attacking somebody, Ivan had to control Isaiah before to to you know, and so he wasn't so he didn't really take much damage. I thought, and in the third match. Or in the third round, it was just a situation where Isaiah had to take, you know, we, we probably knew he was down two rounds, um, and he had to take some chances to try to get on top. And so Ivan went for an arm bar from the bottom. Isaiah used that opportunity to get on top, but props to Ivan for really slick Marilla Bustamante armbar style technique where you roll under and remain on top and ended up finishing that armbar. But like I said, you know, this is the longest any opponent has lasted against Ivan. And so props to Isaiah for taking that fight, for challenging himself, and for performing, I thought, really well. He fights again in November. And so we really want to get Isaiah on the show either in advance of that fight to help promote that fight or after that fight where hopefully he will emerge victorious. So that, uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to. So that, that, there was another MMA fight card um, in, in, last night, and this was in Florence, South Carolina. And Tim Hufford, uh, you know, good friend of mine, good friend of the show. He's been on the show. Um, you know, tr- uh, uh, he took a couple of fighters down there. And let me start with the disappointment first, which is uh, Ryan Todd, who is, you know, I've talked to Tim about Ryan a bunch. Um, super hard worker, um, you know, really focused on improvement. Had a fight, you know, cut the weight, you know, made it into the cage. And his opponent ended up failing the pre-fight medical physical, canceling the fight at the last notice. And this is, this is you know, one of the themes that, that continually comes up on the show is how tough it is to be an MMA fighter, particularly like a local MMA amateur MMA fighter where you, you know, fight camps are strenuous and difficult and, and then there's no guarantee that your fight happens. And so in Ryan's case, his wife and his in-laws drove down. Everybody was ready to watch him fight. Uh, I talked to Tim about it uh, last night. He was super ready and had a great attitude about it, which is the only attitude you can have, which is all the work that you put in, in the training camp just made me a better fighter. And so I'm disappointed for him that he didn't get to show his skills. I know he's probably disappointed as well. But, you know, like my coach Seth Champ always says, you know, all you can control is the position you put yourself in. You know, you can't control whether the other person shows up. You can't control how many people are in your division if it's a grappling tournament. So put yourself in a position to succeed and eventually you'll succeed. And just as a preview, um, speaking of success, um, the other the other fighter from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, Aaron Besson, uh, won by rear naked choke a minute 19 into the first round at that Mitchell Productions fight night two in Florence, South Carolina. That makes his record two and one. And what's kind of cool about this, and we'll talk about it when, when Aaron calls in in a few minutes, uh, we'll talk about we'll talk to him about it. It was a real great performance of just classic Gracie Jiu-Jitsu where, you know, get, initiates the clinch, avoid the opponent's strikes. Uh, you know, push him up against the fence, take him down, mount him. When you use strikes, uh, you take the back, uh, then put your hooks in and finish with the rear naked choke. So classic Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And you'll get to hear Aaron break down that, uh, that fight uh, personally in a second. So those are the things that happened. And you can sort of tell why I wanted to spend a bunch of time on that. Uh, you know, there was just a ton going on and uh, this weekend. And, and surprising as it may seem, Although there was a ton going on, there's still more coming up. And so before Aaron calls in uh, for the meet of the for the featured interview today, uh, I want to talk to you about some of the upcoming events that you're going to have an opportunity to to either participate in as a competitor or to watch. 
all of which are, are a pretty outstanding income with the full concussion cast recommendation. So first, and most obvious, uh, we're less than a week out from the Charlotte Open. This is the first time the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation has come to North Carolina, and boy, has North Carolina showed up. Um, there are the top two teams registered. There are 73 Team Hoist Gracie athletes registered for the Charlotte Open. So I'm really happy and proud of my team. You know, I, I train under Hoist Gracie, as you know, train at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina. We have, I think, 18 people, maybe as many as 20 of that 73. So, you know, we when big tournaments come, uh, we want to make sure that they come back. Same with big MMA fights. And so North Carolina has really showed up. The second highest number of, of registrants was Alliance Charlotte has registered 60 competitors. And so really glad Alliance is showing up in force. There are other Alliance, you know, sort of, there are other Alliance uh, teams, you know, Alliance Marcelo Garcia, there's, you know, Alliance Wilmington, but they divide that. It's, it's weird. They divide them up into, into, into different categories, but that's a whole other, uh, that's a whole other story. The upshot is, you know, Alliance is one of the biggest jujitsu teams in the world. And, is coming out in force to the Charlotte Open as well. There are a lot. There are also a lot of people there that I think you're going to want to watch. Um, let me highlight two. So the Meow Brothers have come down and are registered, and you know they're sort of polarizing jujitsu figures. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I know that you know not everybody likes their style of jujitsu, but whether you like their style of jujitsu or whether you don't, you gotta respect the work ethic, the competition focus, the, you know, all these guys want to be is the best jiu-jitsu athletes in the world. And you can watch them, you know, uh, either before your match or after your match, or maybe, or even if you don't have a match, you can come out and watch the Meow Brothers. So I'm excited for those, the, the, to see those guys compete. The other, the other uh, match that I would highlight, and this is something that I'm very excited about. And so as many of you know, uh, Caitlin Huggins is a concussion cast sponsored fighter. She's been a guest on the show, uh, was the main event at our at the concussion cast carnival. And so Caitlin, you know, like every black belt, every black belt these days, if you want to compete at the world, the you have to you have to qualify, which means you have to compete at the other IBJJF regional tournaments, get a certain amount of points. And so Caitlin uh, and I were talking and she was like, yeah, I think I want to register for Charlotte, even though there's nobody in my division. She had registered for Atlanta. There was nobody in her division there. Uh, and, you know, and it, it, the struggle is real for 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 women black belts getting getting matches. But, you know, in order to but and so we talked about it and, you know, a week before the deadline, she's like, yeah, I'm going to register anyway because I need the points to, to qualify for the world. But, you know, it's sort of unfortunate that I, I don't have a match. Nobody's showing up. So the next day, Dominica Oblinich, uh registered. And if you don't know Dominica boy, you should know Dominica. Like Google, you know, Google or YouTube some of her matches. Uh, Dominica is probably pound for pound the best woman jiu-jitsu fighter today. And she's she's also in the super heavyweight division. And so she's strong, athletic, young, won double gold at the Worlds last year and is just, and is sponsored by New York Pizza, which, you know, I think every 21-year-old would, would really like to be sponsored by. Uh, and, you know, is and it's just, you know, apparently also a really cool individual from the folks that I know that, that we have we have friends in common. But, um, so, the upshot is, Kaylin now gets to fight against probably the best active woman competitor today. And, uh, and I am super excited to see that match. I mean, that's a, an incredible opportunity for Kaylin. And it's going to be great to watch for those of us that are fans of jiu-jitsu to see one of the best athletes in the world, one of the best people competing locally. So, um, so go out and support that. And speaking of Caitlin Huggins, you also, if you have the chance, like uh, Atlanta is a bit of a drive for most of us, but 
the October 15th Kakuto Submission Challenge is in Atlanta, and they always put on terrific cards. They also they always put on terrific super fight cards that have, uh, you know, th- that have, uh, that are very fun to watch. And Caitlin has a super fight against Tubby Santana, which is a very challenging match that I am pumped to that that I am pumped to uh, to uh, to watch. Um, so if you're going out, go and check um, go and check that out and watch Caitlin fight. If you are going, you can also learn from Michelle Nicolini, who is going to have a seminar at the same event, and that I think is the fifteenth. It might be the sixteenth. Um, but if you're if you ever wanted to learn from Michelle Nicolini, um, you should definitely take that opportunity. Um, I drove twelve hours round trip about a year ago to learn from her, and I still use a lot of that stuff. One of the best seminars and privates I've ever taken. So finally, before we get into our featured interview with Aaron Besson, Victor uh, of last night's MMA fights, um, I'm going to just tell you that Toro Cup 5 is going to be November 12th. And I know John Telford is making matches for that. And, you know, I I called Toro Cup 4 the best Toro Cup card yet, which I think it was. And I think if you were there, then you know it was. And Toro Cup 5 is going to be even better. So mark it on your calendar right now, November 12th. Please join us. And I believe now we're going to get into our featured interview if I have Aaron on the phone to talk about his MMA fight last night. Aaron, are you on the phone? Yes, I am. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Congratulations, and thanks for taking the time to call in today. Of course. So talk. So first of all, uh, for those of you who, uh, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, could you maybe introduce yourself, talk about how long you've been training uh, jiu-jitsu and MMA, and what brought you up to this point? Yeah, so uh, I'm from Shelby, North Carolina, which is a little bit outside of uh, of Charlotte. I came to Chapel Hill uh, to go to college for uh, for UNC Chapel Hill, um, and I started martial arts uh, when I was really young. Um, you know, my parents wanted me to get involved in some activity that was physical, and martial arts was sort of the thing, which ended up being really great because uh, you know I'm a short guy and I've always been a short guy, so I ended up having this raging Napoleon complex that martial arts has helped me deal with. Um, you're big to but, me, uh, Aaron. You're big to me. <laughs> all shucks. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, and we're both little people. I, I imagine you, you have an equally large Napoleon complex. Yeah, man. It's a, we're, um, we're from the the Lollipop Guild. If anybody's old yeah, the struggle is real. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, so um, you know, I did this mixture of aikido and judo, which you know it, it kept me active. Uh, but when my school got a wrestling program, it, it was really small. Um, it got a wrestling program in my uh, in 11th grade, so I, I stopped the martial arts to do that for a couple of years. Um, and when I got to UNC, uh, I had all this free time, and uh, I wanted to get back into martial arts. So I uh, looked up the times for the judo program, and uh, I actually just went into the wrong room, and I went into the to the room for the MMA club, and I just fell in love with it there. Uh, so I got more and more involved, and I, I started training off-campus at Tactical Kung Fu and MMA. Um, and after a few years of that, I wanted to get uh, a little more invested in jiu-jitsu. So I uh, started training at Chapel Hill Jiu-Jitsu about a year and a half ago. Um, and I've been there ever since, and I love it. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about your, your journey at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in a bit. Um, mm-hmm. but, but now that folks know who you are, let's talk about the fight last night. And this was in Florence, mm-hmm. South Carolina? And, uh, yes, it was. Awesome. And so uh, do, I, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your opponent and then about how the fight went. Yeah, so my opponent is a guy named uh, Rashad Hood. Um, he's had a lot of fights. 
but he's really mostly a stand-up guy. Um, you know, really muscular, really big. We knew he'd come out, uh, come out strong. Um, and uh, so, you know, the thing is, at weigh-ins, he got up in my face, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, I, I kind of get it. I mean, I, I weigh in in, like, pink briefs, which show, like, as much of my package as possible. Uh, and I'm just sort of a flamboyant guy anyway, and I come out in, in, in spandex shorts. Um, so this is, there this, was all that going on. Let me break in for a second. Like, you've already, okay. I, have a, I have a list of notes to ask you, and one of them was your flamboyant fashion sense. It's funny because you and I own a lot of the same sort of grappling tights, like the scramble grappling yeah. tights and the Gawakoto stuff, yeah. which I love. But I really wanted to compliment you on the pink, uh, the, the pink tidy pinkies because, uh, m- thank but, you. Yeah, not only was that stylish, but you managed to match Harold Hubbard's shirt in the weigh in photo. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't on on purpose. I mean, he's the character too. You know, sometimes I worry that people might think that that's like a reflection of arrogance. But you know, I'm just the kind of guy that's going to do that wherever I am. Um, you got to have you know, some fun out there. School. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the fight started, and um, he uh, he hit me a couple times, and I thought, well. You know, I could stand up with him, but the only reason to do that would be to prove something to myself by my own stand-up, and I, I wasn't really wanting to do that right there. Uh, so I pushed him up the cage and uh, took him down, and, you know, it was pretty textbook jujitsu from there. Uh, mounted him, uh, took the back, and sunk in the choke, and then it was a tap like one minute and 19 seconds in. Um, so, yeah, you know, successful night. Uh, went out for drinks after, uh, and now I'm just going to surround myself with Girl Scout cookies. I think that's that's the only correct way to celebrate after after a Definitely. stirring yeah. you know, seventy nine second victory. So, <laughs> so when when the fight goes that fast, because you've been in much longer fights, you know, I've seen you fight for you know for a few times, and like, when the fight goes that fast, how does time move for you? It, does it seem like a minute and nineteen seconds, or does it seem much longer, or or is it over like that? How how how, no, how, how mean, do you perceive time in there? I mean, I feel like time just sort of. You know, I mean, it's this really subjective thing when you're not actually looking at a watch. Uh, but no, I mean, everything sort of stands still. You know, the audience sort of falls silent, and all that you can really hear is your heartbeat uh, and and this crescendo of your breath. Uh, and the only metronome that you really have is is the footwork uh, and the the heated leather gloves that are impacting on my face. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't feel like a minute and, and nineteen seconds. It felt much longer than that. You know, I'm, I'm replaying all the things in my head, and uh, you know, every motion seems so deliberate and heavy. Uh, but it, you know, it's weird to think like you know, I put like weeks and weeks of work into this, and and it's over in in a minute. Yeah, and this is why I was I, I was talking in the news segment about how I was so disappointed mm-hmm. for your teammate, right? Because a fight camp is yeah. a tough thing, right? It's a tough thing, and like you put in six to ten weeks of work, and suddenly it's either over in a minute or it doesn't happen at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're a low level amateur, so you know some fighters can be kind of sketchy. So that, you know, that's just part of the game. It is at the point that we're at, you know, we're going to have to to deal with people being flaky. Most definitely. So was that, uh, you know, you mentioned that you knew something about your opponent and his stand-up, and you mm-hmm. met, and was it your game plan to clinch, to clinch, take him down, or, or were you just going to see, do you have a definitive game plan when you go into a fight like this, or do you just see where the oh, fight yeah, takes that, you? That's absolutely my game plan. Um, you know, I, I've 
grappling background, uh, wrestled, and I've been doing jujitsu for a while. And really, I just like hugging people. Um, so that, that was sort of the plan all along is, uh, you know, avoid the strikes, get them to the cage, uh, and then take down from the cage, and then, uh, you know, go fight win from there. Yeah, it sounds like it went, went according to plan. Um, and so let's yeah. talk about your fight camp a little bit, and let's talk about, you know, uh, and, and even taking a step back, like, Talk to me about when you started training at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, how long you've been there, mm-hmm. and then maybe we can go into the strategy that you develop when you're training with Tim and Mozzie and all those folks. Yeah, so um, in my last fight uh, before this one, uh, I lost pretty quickly. I was on the other end of a minute and 19-second loss. Um, and uh, so I lost by armbar uh, pretty quickly, and I was really disappointed with that, and I really just wanted to work on my ground game. Um so, you know, Chapel Hill Jiu-Jitsu, you know, I live in Chapel Hill, uh, and I knew a few people over there. Uh, I knew it was affiliated with UNC, the UNC club. Um, so I decided to go train over there, and, you know, it's just been phenomenal. I love the culture there. Uh, I love the people and the support team that I have, uh, and Mozzie's just such a delight to work with. Um, and it's great, you know, because he's, he's my size, so the moves that have worked for him uh, in the long run will, will end up working for me, too. Uh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, the, the plan, the plan has, has generally been for me to get a takedown and, and work from there. Uh, and the camp leading up to it, it was all uh, get him against the cage and, and get a takedown from there. Um, so, you know, that's that was, uh, I think, exactly what we envisioned and what we hoped for. Well, that's good to hear, and like, and I think that you you make a good point about Mozzie. You know, he's certainly one of the most well-respected instructors in the area, and having somebody that mm-hmm. is your size that has a game that that can you can implement sustainably, mm-hmm. not just now, but as you continue to, you know, grow, progress, and yes, age. It happens to all of us um, that you can continue to to be successful with. Uh, let's sure. talk a little bit tra- a bit about training with Tim. Like, you know, uh, where where you know what kind of training. Do you do with Tim Hufford in terms of preparing for a fight like this, developing a game plan, and just talk us through your fight camp? Um, yeah, so working with Tim, it's been a lot of uh, stand-up to get to a clinch, to get to a takedown. Um, you know, he, he has a lot of kickboxing experience, and, and that's been great to, to work with. Um, so, I mean, developing a game plan, it, it, was, it was really just working to my strengths, which ha- have been... Uh, takedowns and top pressure. Um, so the striking that we worked on has generally been, uh, you know, closing distance and uh, and ultimately getting that clinch uh, and eating as few punches as possible. Um, you know, sometimes some lessons I think you really have to learn yourself. And uh, you know, the first ten seconds of that uh, that fight, I got knocked pretty hard. Um, so, you know, I think Tim says sometimes that one day I'll realize that he's always right, uh, and that's definitely true. You know, I, I I think I think I could perform a lot better if I don't have any illusions about the the goal of my stand up. Um, so yeah, you know, that's sort of where where our head's been at. Yeah, I think a lot of times grapplers get themselves into into a problem. I mean, if you look at Damian Maya's career, right? Like mm-hmm. when when he goes back to his bread and butter. He's almost unbeatable, but like, Definitely. you know, yeah. And, and I mean, and it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I imagine, especially with someone in your position, you know, who is pretty early 
in his career, although you've you know done martial arts for years, but you're still a young person, mm-hmm. that like you want to balance growth with like, hey, I'm learning these new tools with, okay, let's not get away from the stuff that I'm best at, right? Definitely, definitely. You know, I, I want to one day be the guy who's like, you know, I can stand and bang with anyone, but, you know, I, I also feel like I know myself pretty well, um, which that's that's awesome because it means I know exactly what I need to work on and what uh, what I can do to make myself better, which is such a gift. So tell us a little bit about some of your training partners. Like, who do you work with most in terms of sparring, either stand-up or grappling? Like, were there people that particularly helped you either in this training camp or have helped in your development and growth over the last couple of years that you want to particularly cite? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Sean Ball, uh, Ryan Todd, I mean, uh, James Fiedler. Uh, a lot of the people that I worked with at Tactical, um, you know, that, that have helped me grow and really find my game. Um I'm sorry if you hear an engine in the background. Uh, I'm outside right now. And, you know, when you have a loud car, you need to turn the engine all the way up. It's a, um, it's a moral imperative. That's why I have a Nissan yeah, Leaf now. Because, yeah, like, <laughs> so I can be stealthy when, you know, for assassination purposes. Of course. Um, but, yeah, so uh, the person who's sort of been with me the whole time is, is Rashan. Um, he was there when I very first started and, and sort of convinced me to, uh, to start training um, – outside of this small hobby um, and start doing it seriously. Uh, so I'm really thankful for him uh, for being there the whole time. Um, and Ryan Todd, I mean, he's been a training partner for forever uh, since I was back, to, back at Tactical. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've always worked with guys that are bigger than me, but it, it's always nice to have someone, uh, to have small people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy with, the, with having a lightweight team. Most definitely. So, what are your what are your short, midterm, and long term goals regarding combat sports? Do you have do you, mm-hmm. do you think in those terms, or what, and and if you do, what what do you think in terms of goals? Well, first of all, I need to get some pecs because I feel like I'm a strong guy and I lift a lot, but I just I can never get any like like it's just it's this flat line between me and my abs and I've always resented that so that's that's definitely step one um but no I mean what what I got to get that action figure bod man <laughs> be, be, beach season is just around the corner in Australia it's important yeah. <laughs> um well you know mostly for the mirror when I wake up that's really the only time that that matters um Tim is always after me to post more shirtless selfies so maybe you should just take yeah. care of that for me yeah well, we can be those guys together. Word. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I'm young. I'm 23, uh, and I don't, I don't really know what the future looks like for me. Um, you know, it might, I might just end up getting a real job and uh, and shelving this as a hobby. But you know, I, I, I love doing this. I love combat sports. Uh, I love MMA. I love competing. Um, I think my dream job down the road would be to, to one day have a school of my own when I'm, you know, many years older and wiser. Uh, so between now and then, if I could sort of translate uh, this into into rent, I think that would be pretty ideal for me. Um, and that might, you know, that might be, that might uh, mean turning pro uh, so I can just keep doing this. Um, 
but at the very least, I think I'll, I'll end up being a great trophy husband. So, <laughs> with you know, pe- I always have that to fall back on. <laughs> with pecs. As the great Jason, yeah, yeah. As the great Jason Colbert <laughs> said, you can marry more money in five minutes than you can make in a lifetime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, trophy, like, yeah, trophy husband is a great thing to aspire to. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, other than Girl Scout cookies, uh, are you planning, mm-hmm. like, like right now you're pretty much awash in the glory that is the Samoa props of the Thin Mint, although yeah. we should talk about your favorite yeah. Girl Scout cookie, too. Like, do you have plans to fight again? I mean, or have you thought, or have you thought beyond the training table of... Uh, of brownies and samosas? Uh, you know, I haven't really. I'm probably going to end up taking a fight again soon. Um, just because, you know, why not? I don't have any real responsibilities as a as a 23-year-old. Um, so, you know, I'm probably going to end up doing that uh, sometime soon. You know, after the binging on the, on the disgusting amount of carbs and burritos. So, uh, like, what we're going to talk, I, I'm going to, before we get on out of here, I'm going to do a, a, a brief nutrition segment at some point uh, d- okay. d- during the show and others. And so let's talk a little bit about about your diet, both during your training okay. camp and after, like, because clearly everybody, <laughs> you got you to gotta indulge. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah. But like what, what's your nutrition and, and what do you, do you, do you, are you, do you take nutrition seriously? Like, what do you do when you're, when you're at the camp? And then after 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 you tell me what you do during camp, we'll talk about your favorite cheat meal. Okay, uh, no, during the camp, I mean, I, I think I'm I think I'm pretty strict. I mean, I don't I don't really have to cut that much weight. It's only about uh, 15 pounds, which for like a day before weigh-in, I, I can I can sweat out uh, a bit uh, in the sauna. Um, but you know, it's mostly sticking to yogurt, nuts, uh, small things. Um, and then just staring at the Food Network for uh, hours on end until uh, I feel satisfied. But you know, it gets to the it always gets to the point like when you're in the dirty days of of the cut, where like you look at at commercials on TV and like fat like fast food places that you would never eat at if you weren't hungry. Those just start looking delicious. Uh, so I'm glad to be past that point at least for the next next month or so. Um, when Dewan Owens you know, was I, doing his 30-pound cut, we would go out sometimes, yeah. and he would just ask to smell my food. And I was like, yeah, man, yeah. that can't. I was like, man, that can't help. And he's like, no, no, it helps. Yeah, you, oh, you get so neurotic when, when, you're, when you're worried about food. I mean, the deeper you go, the more sensitive you are to, to things like salt and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I just, my solution to that is just stay away from that food and just get really cranky at anyone that brings it near me. And that's that's worked pretty well. Um, coincidentally, I don't have any friends, so. Yeah. Well, you'd be even scarier with packs, though. So you'd be more effective. Oh, at, I would. And yeah. Scaring <laughs> away, scaring away potential friends. It's like you know. It's it's oh, all. Sorry, go on. It's all part of the martial arts cult. We gotta, you know, we scare away all the people that don't do it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You, you filter out the the weak. <laughs> so, what's your favorite cheat meal? Either cheat meal during the camp or or uh, Girl Scout cookies accepted that you're most excited about binging on after. Cheese. Any particular kind I mean, of cheese, or just like Wallace and Gromit style cheese, cheese, cheese? It's, it's Wallace and Gromit style. I mean, you know, I, I like me some brie, but I mean, I, I will just I'll eat chunks of cheese, uh, and and I don't really feel disgusting about myself unless it's American cheese because that doesn't count, um, and you should be ashamed of yourself if you consider that cheese. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just cheese and, and crackers if I'm feeling really indulgent. Uh, 
now I mean now I have to watch Wallace and Gromit to, to get the song stuck stuck for uh Head. Absolutely no. It's a, it, like like I say, you know, we're we're in, we're in a one stop shop with uh, all time pop, pop culture references. Certainly. So, is there anything that I haven't asked about that you wish I would asked about, or just anything that you would want the listeners to know? Uh, just how appreciative I am of, of this community. Y- you know, y- you can't really do anything like this by yourself. Uh, it, it really requires a community of people that are dedicated. Uh, to helping everyone grow, uh, so I, you know, I want to thank everyone in the in the martial art community around here for for being so supportive and uh, being so ready to to help a young young fighter out. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate it. Aaron Besson is my guest. He was the winner at Mitchell Productions Fight Night 2 in Florence, South Carolina last night by Rear Naked Choke. Just one minute, 19 seconds into the first round. Aaron, thanks so much for, for getting up and, uh, and talking to us for a few minutes today. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Say we had like a Snickers bar right here. And there's some sugar in that Snickers bar. There's definitely some cars in that Snickers bar. And then maybe you got like a pile of mashed potatoes or a pile of bread, right? There's definitely not as much sugar in the bread, but that bread's fluffy. And in my mind, those fluffy carbs are going to hold all that water and hold all that weight. That Snickers bar, if I stuck that in the water, it's not going to hold any water. (laughs) You got fluffy carbs and sticky carbs. What you just listened to is my favorite excerpt, or one of my favorite excerpts from our interview with John Bagels Telford. One of my, it was one of my favorite guests, and hopefully occasional guest host sometime in the future. Um, John, you know, obviously John is being a little bit flippant about fluffy carbs, but we think about nutrition a lot here, and uh, and talking with Aaron made me think about that too. Uh, you know, when you do a combat sport, particularly one that has weight classes, you think a lot about nutrition. You think a lot about um, the way to optimize your body's health, the way to optimize your body's performance, and when you're done optimizing your body's health and performance, the best way is to defile it in uh, with you know terrible terrible cookies or uh, or in Aaron's case cheese. So I wanted to flag that for a couple of reasons. First of all, we've been doing a series of videos um, on the Facebook page that you should check out. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash cage radio and check out the videos tab, you'll be able to see a bunch of the different training uh, recipes that we put together. So I, I mentioned this for a couple of reasons. First of all, we've produced a few of these videos and uh, and I really enjoy making them. It sort of helps keep me on task for my own clean eating. And I really like enjoying, like I've done a lot of experimentation. I hired a nutritionist to make sure that I was getting all, all my own uh, need, nutritional needs met. And so um, l- as I learn more about nutrition, I enjoy sharing that with folks. And so if you, so there are, f- you know, and there's that sweet spot, right? where you want something to be optimally nutritional, you want something to not put excess weight on you, and you want it to be delicious. And so the only stuff that I'm going to put up on Facebook is the stuff that I feel meets all three categories. And so I've shared a couple of juice recipes, shared a couple of soup recipes, shared a couple, like one thing that is a, like, and the one thing I want to promote here and 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 have you guys check out if you want, is uh, when I was training for the Worlds and I got down to 135, which, you know, I'm a small guy, so it wasn't super hard, but they weren't day before weigh-ins. Um, my nutrition guy, um, who got me hooked on this stuff from San, San Diego called Bitchin' Sauce. And it's an almond-based spread that's kind of like a hummus. 
and it's like crack to me. Like my mouth is watering thinking about it right now. And so I couldn't pay all the uh, the shipping costs to get it out from San Diego, so I tried to replicate it. And eventually, I think, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, as, as you do when you experiment with stuff like this, you don't ever replicate it 100%, but you get something that you think is, is you know, that fits your needs even better. And so, um, so I made these videos and, you know, as regular listeners of the podcast know, I happen to have certain dietary restrictions. I don't eat meat or dairy. And so if you're vegan, um, I'm making a series of one minute videos called the one minute vegan, uh, that will help you like, you know, because those of us like, look, it's tough to find things that are tasty, that won't put excess weight on you, that will get you on your nutritional needs. And so when you add in that fourth variable of, oh, and by the way, I'm also not going to eat any animal products, then it's a bit of a challenge. And I know there's some other folks in the community that are like that. So I'm going to make a series of those videos. So check those out, facebook.com slash Radio. Second thing I want to communicate on that is uh, Cody Malte gave me a terrific idea that um, I'm going to throw out to y'all because you know, there's many of you know that John Pappas is, you know, a personal trainer and has some terrific ideas about nutrition. And so Cody proposed to me like, hey, why don't you have, you know, me, Pappas, maybe a couple of other guys that really think about combat sports nutrition and personal training and athletic performance and have a roundtable on the show. And so I would very much like to do that. And next week's show is going to be pretty, pretty packed with charlotte open stuff um but and so we're probably not going to do this um for a few weeks maybe a month what i'm asking you the listener is if you know somebody that is particularly intelligent about matters of fight nutrition uh obviously i have my own ideas but i want to hear yours then send us an email cagesidewhoop at gmail.com uh, hit us up on twitter at cagesidewhup or just see me in person message me on facebook and let me know um who you would want to have on a show focused around fight nutrition because realistically we all got to eat and uh, it, and we want to know the best way that we could do that. And so check that out. So before we get on out of here, we're going to end uh, the show with an old story. And it's something that I made for a local audio production festival. There's a local production audio festival in Durham called Audio Under the Stars. And basically, these are folks that make podcasts, that make, you know, that make music, that make all kinds of sound. And then it's an outdoor listening party. And this time they put out a call for stories about overcoming challenges. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately in terms of the, the, the challenge of how I started my jiu-jitsu career. It's, you know, one thing you've noticed for sure if you listen to the show is I always ask how people got started because people have, you know, there are common threads, but there are really different stories. And so I told them a story about my first night in jiu-jitsu. And uh, I thought that, it was worth, you know, and, and after I, you know, when you produce these things, you never know how you, how they're going to turn out, but I was happy enough with it. And I thought it would be interesting enough to the, some of you who know some of the people involved and know me that it might be interesting for you to hear this story. And so I made this story called flight. It's a story about my first night training jujitsu, and I'm going to play it for you right now. I am in the air. I am in another man's arms, and I am in the air. I didn't plan this. Now I am back on the ground, choking. This is what it feels like to die. It is Valentine's Day 2011, and I weigh 167 pounds. It is the most I have ever weighed in my life, but I have been lifted into the air with ease. 
Trying Brazilian jiu-jitsu seemed like a great idea, right until the moment I hit the mat. This is Dewan Owens, the man who facilitated my swift flight and subsequent crash. Friday is, is wonderful, man. Friday is, oh my God, it's, it's literally like a play. You can just be any character you want. Jiu-Jitsu is rooted in Brazil's tradition of no-rules fighting, and practitioners are famous for doing their opponents in on the ground. This means chokes, or joints being grabbed, straightened, and locked until the joint pops or the bone snaps. I got in fights as a kid, but I'm not a fighter. I'm not really an athlete at all. I've been looking for a way to get into shape, and to me, running is boring. But if someone is trying to bend your limbs the wrong way or choke you until your vision turns gray, you're going to keep moving. Jiu-jitsu people talk about their jiu-jitsu journey. Yours isn't like anyone else's. The art is designed for smaller people who have limited physical strength. People like me, or like some of the women I trained with. So many people learn jiu-jitsu solely for self-defense. I had no idea what I wanted from my own journey when I drove past the old Catsburg store and walked into that dingy Durham gym. I was a small 36-year-old who wasn't especially athletic. I struggled to pick up even the most basic jiu-jitsu movements. But I knew what I wanted after I walked out. From the moment Dewan threw me down, I knew that I wanted to compete. I wanted to be able to get up off the mat and to do what he could do. Dewan's my corner man during my first ever tournament jiu-jitsu match. Despite exhaustion and incompetence, I won. It was either the best or the worst thing that could have happened. Because now, I'm hooked. Keep him down, keep him down, drop him back down, drop him back down. It is three years later, and I am 135 pounds. This is too little, for an adult of my size anyway, but it's ideal for a competitor in a sport that has weight classes. This is the year that I turn 40, and I am at the New York International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Open, getting ready for the World Championships in June. I will be competing against men 15 to 20 years younger than I am, so I've hired a nutritionist. He has me eating egg white omelets, fresh berries and nuts, and kale. Lots of kale. We got this, Jeff! Two minutes left, Jeff! The three years leading up to this moment have been good. Of all the tournaments that I've wanted to win, the Pan Americans, the Atlanta Open, U.S. Grappling's North Carolina State Championships, I've taken gold medals at every one, except for the World Championships. By day, I do communications for a nonprofit that fights poverty in North Carolina. The rest of the time, I train. It's up to about 20 hours a week now. So here in New York, I feel prepared. I feel lean. I feel strong. And most of all, I feel hungry. I want victory. And food. At the big international tournaments, I always enter what's called the absolute division, which is the open weight class. I'm what they call a light featherweight. But if I win that weight, I go to absolute and try out my chokes and arm bars against people of any size. On this day, in the absolute finals, I fight a man who outweighs me by nearly 200 pounds. While I'm trying to take him down to the mat, he lands on top of me. My body folds in half like a clamshell closing, my face pressing down into my knees with more than 300 pounds collapsing on my back. My corner man, Jimmy, thought I died. Oh, God. Jesus. Boys. This scared the shit out of me. That looked really bad. Then something even more surprising happens. I get back up. I win.
Dump him, Jeff. Dump him. There you go. Dump him. Yeah, go. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get him back. Get him back, Jeff. Come to Lima. That felt amazing. But somehow, along the way, jujitsu has become bigger than competition. I still want to get up, to win. But now I want that for other people, too. I want those things for Dewan, who's gone pro and is fighting to make it to the ultimate fighting championship. I want those things for the students in the fundamentals classes I teach. One friend avoided a sexual assault because of the things I taught her. I lose in the first round at the Worlds. My opponent is very good, and I make one mistake, and that's that. With all the effort that I put in this year, the hours of training, the careful dieting, I expect to be devastated. I'm not, though. I watch my friends compete. I meet some of my heroes. I eat seven full meals in 12 hours and feel absolutely glorious. Good job, Jeff! So obviously that was produced for folks that don't train jujitsu or any martial art. And obviously the audience for this podcast is a little bit different. And so I thought it might be fun for y'all to listen to some the way that, that I chose to present jujitsu to some of the folks that have never trained it. And it was just fun for a little stroll down memory lane to sort of uh, uh, remember some of why I started training and why I continue to train and why I continue to love it uh, even more now than I ever have in the past. So that's our show for today. And I want to thank Aaron Besson for calling in. Congratulate him again on the fight. I want to thank everybody who contributed to the audio project, wittingly or unwittingly, Dewan Owens, Jimmy Bigelow, um, Kim Rice, and everybody I trained with at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. And most of all, once again, I want to thank you, the listener. You are the reason that we continue to do this. I love the fact that people are able to participate in the community in this way, and it's a lot of fun for me to be able to put things out there. A reminder, next week, October 8th, uh, the Charlotte Open, we're going to recap that show on our October, that event on our October 9th show. November 12th is the next Toro Cup. It's going to be the best one yet. I don't have the card yet for you, but I know some of the matches that Bagels is talking about making, and those are going to be outstanding. Um, so, and October 15th, Cocteau Submission Challenge in Atlanta. You can go watch Caitlin Huggins compete against Tubby Santana. You can go and learn from Michelle Nicolini. You can go and just hang out in Atlanta and train jiu-jitsu with some awesome folks that you don't get to train jiu-jitsu with very much. Any of those things, all of those things, they're all awesome. Um, if you want to get out the show, cagesidewhip at gmail.com on Twitter and Instagram at cagesidewhup. My name is Jeff Shaw. We will back at, be back at you next week. Thank you once again for listening, and thanks to all the guests. Thank you.